Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we needed a break for a goddamn minute. On today's episode, it's a nice safe palladium thing. We've got to be running out of these, right? Well, no, because today it's Scrapers, the game that's sort of actually more of a source book for two different other role-playing games. And even more than that is really just an excuse for John Zelisnik's brand of goopy, spiky monster art, which we happen to love so much. So let's dive right in to an alien solar system full of intrigue and super punches on today's System Mastery. Folks, before we get started, we've got a couple of announcement masteries to read our way through, uh, because so many of you bought them back when they weren't they weren't really on sale, but before we jacked up the price. And now, well, it was so much fun reaping, but boy, no, it's so much fun sowing, and here we are reaping. Fuck, that would have been funny if I had done it right. God damn it, why can't I uh, just be funny? I'm having a bad, bad, funny day, John. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like I, it's It's not your fault, it's me. Oh, I know, it's always your fault. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's uh, that's the dynamic of the show. Yes, it's your fault. It would be, be it would be better if I wasn't on it. I mean, if it if this thing wasn't my idea, it would be a goddamn good show. <laughs> if you didn't have a controlling stake in the company, I'm gonna buy you <laughs> hey, out. You find another. You find any single person that can do this show like me, and I will happily let them take the recording, and I'll still get all the money. <laughs> And I think that's very fair. So if you can find someone who's just as funny as me, it doesn't want any money, and there you go. Ah, finally, an easy task. Anyway, <laughs> we got some announcement masteries to do, and I'll go first this time. How's that sound? Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we get into that, as always, if you would like an announcement mastery, just go on down to our website, systemmasterypodcast.com, and purchase one by clicking the Give Us Some Money button. They are $75 still a very competitive rate in podcast ad space. Uh, going forward, I think we will no longer take ads where we will play a tape for you. You'll, we have to craft your ads. That's the rule. That's the rule now. That's the rule now. That That is now the rule. But uh, let me just get started. That's as, It's as easy as that if you want one of your own. Now, here I go. Comics, Games, and Things is an online hobby store and digital file delivery platform that specializes in securely sharing 3D models from our partnered artists to their Patreon supporters. Interested in an affordable alternative for science fiction tabletop miniatures? Check out the Maker's Cult's Feudal Guard and Dark Techno models, Dark Foundry's Technops Dynasties, and Crucible of Games' 2PI line. Prefer large-scale space battles? Check out ships from Soulforge Studios. Explore past releases by buying directly on our site at comicsgamesandthings.com. Unlike other 3D file platforms, our artists receive 93% of sales, and we don't run intrusive ads. Just these. Don't have a 3D... <laughs> hey, this isn't intrusive. Huh. I, I, I voluntarily sold this space. <laughs> I consent. Don't have a 3D printer? Comics, Games, and Things offers a commission 3D printing service. If you can't find what you're looking for on our store... Just shoot us an email at shop at comicsgamesandthings.com and we can print files for you uh, or provide or help you find what you're looking for. That's comicsgamesandthings at comicsgamesandthings.com. Woohoo. Yeah, cool. 
All uh, right. That's a, that's awesome. Yeah, I got one. You uh, sure do. Solo But Not Alone is a bundle of single-player indie RPGs from designers around the world, with all proceeds going to suicide prevention organization Jasper's Game Day, which, you know, that's that's good. That's a good cause that's close to my heart. For yeah, just, that's a very good cause. For just $10, you can get 87 different games, and all the money is going to a good cause at a time when people need a little help getting through feelings of isolation and hopelessness. Mm -hmm. Tired of trying to get a group together? Can't convince your group to try something other than 5e? Every game in this bundle can be played on your own, on your own schedule. You can play short journaling games like Believe, a single-move game about gratitude and joy. You can play intense games like Go Alone, a game about being a legendary sword. Or Hope is Not a Plan, a game the creator has described as professional horror. We have award-winning games like the letter-writing game Quill, and we have Headless Guide, a game you may have heard of from the writer's mom's Facebook. We have <laughs> self-care games like Ego, a game in which you advance the story by advancing your real-world goals. We have a game called You Are Quarantined with Adam Driver, and he is insisting on reading you his new script, which is a game about being quarantined with Adam Driver and his insisting on reading you his new script. I didn't know he wrote scripts. Sure, of course he did. <laughs> he was just an actor, cool. From action to comedy to dungeon crawls to a LARP about yelling at your elected representatives, there's something for everyone, and most importantly, it's for a good cause. So look us up on itch.io or in the show links. The bundle will only be running until March 6th. So get it while you can. And remember, if you're struggling right now, Jasper's Game Day wants to make sure you know you are not a critical failure. Well, now that is a good thing for a good cause. Yeah, as someone that struggles with a lot of depression and horrible nonsense in my brain, I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And as someone who is entirely reliant on someone who struggles <laughs> with a lot of horrible nonsense in his brain for financial security, so am I. Good. <laughs> Also, the guys over at Descent at Midnight want you to know their game is about psionic alien sea creatures, and that's it. You can check it out. Uh, it's real easy to find. Descent into Midnight. There All right. <laughs> so here we are. We're, we're ready to start, and away we go to the real show. Hey, folks. Welcome to System Mastery. It's me, Jeff, and that's John right there. It is, and always I'm has vaguely been. pointing towards... Where I, where I assume is the way to his house, but I actually do not know. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sure someone can tell you how to get how to get to Sesame Street. <laughs> I'm going to call out every single Sesame Street Muppet that sucks. <laughs> I'm ready. The I am ready for this call out thread. Don't call me a hero, but it's important that someone tells you that some of those puppets aimed at children are terrible. <laughs> Just the actual worst. It's like you had enough puppets. You didn't need Rudy. It's fine. Rudy sucks. <laughs> he's just vocal fry and terrified confusion, and he's like a year older than Elmo, and Elmo's already with his shit. Ah, hey, some Get it people, together, Rudy. Some people, uh, you know, they mature faster than others. It also could potentially be that, that Elmo's been three since, like, 1980. True. So, I mean, he's like a 35-year-old, three-year-old is what, what, what we have with him. <laughs> He's basically that baby from Who Framed Roger Rabbit at this he point. He is indeed Baby Herman. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's Baby Herman. He's slapping ladies on the ass and pulling out a big old stogie. That's right. He mm-hmm. is. That's uh. That's that's canon. That's, that's canon Elmo information. <laughs> that's the new show that we're running here on, on System Master today. Elmo information, where we tell you each week a new fact about Elmo from Sesame Street. We've got our new show, Elmo and the Canon, and we're gonna shoot some knowledge right into your brain. This week, Elmo and cigars. Loves them. Did you all know that Elmo smokes a cigar every minute of every day forever? They're, they have to be digitally removed in post. Yeah, he will not not smoke a cigar on set. <laughs> Unfortunately, he simply has too much power in the uh, Sesame Street, the Children's Television Workshop Network, to not continue. Uh, no one can stop him. No, no one can stop him. He's out of control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and therefore they have to use digital tools to remove uh, both the cigar and the smoke from the cigar, uh, which is why occasionally you'll see scenes with him where his singing sounds like he's got something in his mouth, and Zoe can't stop coughing. <laughs> uh, but it's it's important that he be allowed to do that because he's the big star and he sells the most dolls. True. All right. That's been an episode of, of Elmo Information or whatever, John, Elmo and the Canon, I think it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We each, we each named the show. It has two. We're workshopping the name. We have many names. We are Legion. Mm-hmm. We are, but our single goal to bring you the most up-to-the-date real Elmo information, that part is there's only one of those. Yes. All bent towards Scrapers. a singular goal. <laughs> Scrapers. Scrapers is a role-playing game, sort of. Scrapers not really. Scrapers certainly is a role-playing setting? Yeah. I honestly, I, I've known about this game for years, and I, th- my copy is this ancient dog-eared used copy that I never cracked open, but I have owned for a decade. Oh, I, and I thought this was just... actually played a Scrapers game. Wow. Did you run it, or were you just in it? No, I was in it. Uh, had a friend who was like, well, I bought the book, so <laughs> might as well use it. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's not a hard book to buy. It's It breaks from the usual cover art of Riff's books by having a full wraparound cover that is absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Like, just edge-to-edge, bleed-printing, perfect cover featuring uh, one of your classic Riff's mega-babes with her assway hanging out in the air, and then some cool aliens that she's barfing beams at. Yeah, just barf-beaming. And then there's some sad-looking, like, red devil-looking man standing behind her who looks like he's just going to watch this happen. Yeah. He's just like, I mean, that okay, that's that, cool. I don't want to get involved in that. That looks like it's above my pay grade. Uh, and there's a story at the beginning of this book about how it came to exist, that this is John Zelisnik, who's a regular artist and contributor to to, uh, to Palladium Games. Uh, he wanted to make his own role-playing game setting at some point, and wrote a treatment, got approved by by Simbita, and then continued to write it for like eight years. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, normally he's an artist, and this is going to mm-hmm. be the first time he actually wrote stuff for the setting. And, you know, he's like, boy, on the other side of it, it sucks ass to try and figure out what dumb percentages everything gets. Yeah, it's almost like he hasn't realized what you and I have realized, which is that you just make that shit up when you're writing a Palladium game. Oh, yeah. Just 100% top to bottom. You're like, I don't know. It's got plus two to strike. Why not? 35% plus 4% per level. Who cares? Who who could possibly give a shit? No one's ever going to question any of this. It doesn't matter. None of this matters. (laughs) Is any of this a gun or a superpower? No, then who gives a fuck? 
Ah, uh, did you draw a lump with holes on either side? It shoots particle beams. 66 plus 1d6 per level. I saw whatever. Who cares? Don't worry about it. Range 200 feet. I'm not going to compare this to anything else that exists, so let's do it. No, no one has ever questioned any of this before, and they never will in the future, you know, except for Mega Dumbcast. Uh, uh. So you, you could <laughs> it'll call out to, uh, to not, you know, an acquaintance of the show. Acquaintance of the show. Well, he hadn't been on. A, I don't think he's been in an episode of System Mastery. That, that, I don't believe. I don't. I don't believe that anyone has ever crawled in here without our knowledge. <laughs> you never know. I mean, we've we've established before that there are lots of people off mic immediately to our left and right who are part of each episode, even if they don't get to talk. True. Mm-hmm. So, so Zellers Nick wanted to write a sort of setting where it's a single solar system that has like stuff living on every planet in the solar system. And there's an obvious good guy planet and an obvious bad guy planet. And then a bunch of neutral planets between them. And the bad guys are invading their way across the solar system. I do love that. He was like, it's a solar system where every planet has people on it. And, uh, let's not worry about that. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's just a wild coincidence. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. And in fact, there is some evidence, if you're reading your way through the story of the game, that outside of the good guy planet, most of the planets seem to have been seeded uh, with a similar genetic setup, because they all have very similar hands. So many similar hands. They do. The uh, the, the book starts on the bad guys, but yeah, uh, what's it called? The Chorizolon system, I think yeah, is the, the name Chorizo of the Yeah, the Chorizo system. Yeah, it's the Chorizo on system. Which I'm heading to immediately because chorizo is my jam. It is not my jam, but I appreciate those who like it. Hmm. It's fair enough. I mean, I only use it to make like chili and stuff. Normally, I have a hard time getting chorizo in restaurants because they always want to mix it with eggs. It's true. And, and I'm, I'm I like not eggs, an egg but man. I don't like chorizo. Huh. Well, I guess it might be too spicy for your weird, not really like honorary Midwestern sensibilities. Oh, yeah. My baby palate is not happy. Yeah. It's it, it's funny because I know you have like family in Wisconsin and you have been to Wisconsin, but it's like your tongue was born there. Ah, that's okay because you sure do love big piles of hot cheese. I do. If you give yeah. me a goddamn hot dish, I am in heaven. Yeah, but if you are forced to eat the food of the common like Mexican foodery, you're like, no, man, I can't have these spices. <laughs> what is this? A spice? Nah. <laughs> Get this shit away from me. That's why I never read Dune. <laughs> well, yeah, the spice must flow away from you. Exactly. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. Something about spice? Nah, I'll pass. <laughs> That's not my jam. <laughs> I'd like to read a book about the sandworms that create the bland, if you have that. Eh? The, cre- the bland worms? <laughs> the bland worms. <laughs> they secrete mayo all throughout the desert. Oh, yeah. They leave, <laughs> they leave a trail cheese. of tater tots behind them. If you walk without rhythm, you can follow behind them and eat the potatoes. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, there's there's evidence that the solar system was seeded because outside of the planet Ceron, which is the good guy planet, uh, most of the other planets, everyone has two fingers, two toes. That seems to be a unifying characteristic from one planet to the next to suggest that there was some sort of grand early genetic experiment that created the solar system. I mean, even then, I'm still like, but planet-wise, like, you have eight planets in that Goldilocks zone? That's 
real unlikely as well. No, well, yeah, but let, let's face it: the people who wrote this, because uh, while well, at least what happened was Zelizdik wrote the whole thing except for any numbers, and then tried to write numbers, gave up, gave it to Simbita, who wrote, who just did what he always does, which is just plaster random numbers everywhere, and then published it with a big old forward where he took a lot of credit. Ah. Uh. Uh, but neither of them knows about the whole the Goldilocks zone, <laughs> the band, uh, the appropriate distance from a planet at which life can flourish on that planet. Oh yeah, because they even start with like, oh, the Tarlock, our main bad guys, are from the closest planet to the sun, and I'm like, okay, and they live in like a slightly warm jungle world, and it goes out from there. Ooh man, I mean it's. It's it's slightly warm by planetary standards. I mm-hmm. think it's like 96 degrees across the planet was what it said. Yeah, and I'm like, wow, the other planets have to be just like crammed next to each other. Uh, oh, yeah, obviously they share a single orbital pattern. They're just all in the same orbital space and they're rotating it. They're, they're distance from each other along the orbital path instead of further out from the sun. Yeah, that's exactly what that's- I was thinking as I was like, it has to just all be in the same circle. Yeah. Uh, but of course, we right away as we're discussing the Tarlocks and their their planet, uh, we get some numbers, which I always love it when we get the evolution timescale numbers in a, in a Palladium book because they never work. Hmm. They're they're like ah yes, you've got to watch out for what I forget the name of the planet they're from. Um, Vulok. Ulok. Okay. Vulok. Vulok. Right. Yeah. Well, Vulok for for uh, a long time has been ruled over by Saurians, not unlike our Earth dinosaurs. Larger, of course. Uh, pretty similar. They're like, yeah, they're basically the planet has a single primary predator called the Darnu Saurian, uh, which is more or less a Velociraptor. Um, Although and Velociraptor ex- <laughs> in Jurassic Park terms, not in actual Velociraptor terms. Okay, fine. Yeah, an actual Velociraptor is about three feet long and six feet tall. That's that's the full scale on a real world velociraptor as they actually existed if we go by the standard utah raptor that or the deinonychus that was used for the velociraptor in jurassic park then it's what that's what these are yeah it with with some differences they hunt in packs which sure right, we were fairly certain that some, several of those uh, types of theropods hunted in packs but they hunted in packs as small as 100 to 800 members and as many as 12,000 to 18,000 that's not true well, I mean, it's some other planet. What do we know, right? Maybe that's how it worked. But what, for that to work, it would mean that the planet had to be just covered in vast fields of easy access protein. I was going to say, really pa- it's a meat yeah. planet at that point. Yeah, because if you look at species that do hunt in those kinds of numbers, it's usually like they find plankton and they eat the plankton. Yeah, for 12,000 big fuck-off dinosaurs... To be like, yeah, we all hunt in a pack. I'm like, no, you don't. You don't have resources for that. No one has resources for that. Fuck you. Yeah, the closest I can really think of in terms of specifically, it has to be predatory, right? So you look at dolphins. Dolphins are probably the closest thing because sometimes their pods have as many as a thousand or two dolphins in them chasing after bait balls of giant, huge, enormous piles of sardines or anchovies and just devouring them. But then usually they split up into smaller pods and fuck off after that. This oh, is yeah. this is some nonsense, basically. It is actual, literal nonsense, but that's okay, because the entire history of the Tarlock is, oh man, it is real, real problematic. 
Yeah. Well, let's start. One more thing about the dinosaurs. The book wants to brag that the planet is an old planet. So it's like these dinosaurs have ruled the Earth for 500,000 years. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, that's very. You know how long there were dinosaurs on Earth? It was only about 165 million years. That's how long dinosaurs, as we knew them, existed on Earth. But yeah, sure. I'd say a tiny, tiny fraction of that is very impressive. Oh, yeah. Well, it's only when it was dominated. Up <laughs> for 500,000 years, <laughs> it was dominated by that. Before that, it was mostly, I don't know, monkeys. Stuff that came before dinosaurs. Big bugs. Big fish. So now there is another species that's in the Tarlock story. I think they were called the Lonara. Yeah. So the entire and That's the problematic bit. Is there's like, oh, there's the Lonara, and they are... Big and civilized and have culture, and they show up to the Tarlock, who are savages and only know combat, and they're like... Barely even human. You are our slaves now. But it's okay, you see, because the Tarlock eventually learned to appreciate being slaves, because they learned culture and civilization, finally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we start... Oh, we start hard. <laughs> They love being slaves, and I'll tell you why. It's because what the Lonara did with the Tarlock, and the Tarlock, for lack of a better way of describing them, are one of those species that's all, you know, ultimate warriors. Oh, yeah. Well, they're all just like, what are you? We're big, spiky-plated fight guys, and we all love to fight, and our society's based on fighting. Right. And unlike other species where their their entire species is based on fighting, they're not based on fighting each other. They are no. very good at forming armies and, and obeying orders because they have all that we love slavery stuff built into their brains. Well, yeah, they're so primitive. And they were like, we'll use you as soldiers. And you see, normally you're very good at fighting, but you didn't understand tactics or anything. We're going to teach you idiots how to be good at this. I can see that I am going to have to teach you how to be villains, uh, warriors. <laughs> and so, yeah, they actually love this shit. They're like, hell yeah, put us in front of the roving armies of 18,000 dinosaurs. That's our favorite. I love being eaten by 18,000 perfect dinosaurs. Please, please put me out there. <laughs> oh, God. And it. It continues to be worse past that, where they're like, oh, you see, ironically, their success as slaves would spell doom for their giant masters because of white genocide. I mean, because they slowly outpopulated the other ones. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't ever get good. There's uh, there's no. no point where the Tarlock story either is interesting or acceptable, or makes any sense. They're like, oh, well, you see, the Tarlock, they just love having babies. Just so many babies. And God, they have so many, and there's so much welfare that they're on. And eventually, the the noble Lonara are bred out of existence. Yeah, the noble slavers, the Lonara, are bred out of existence. Yep. And Lonara, more or less, are just big Tarlock. Yeah. God, this is... Reading the entire beginning of this book, I was like, no, no, don't. Please, no. Please Please stop. stop. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you doing this? 
Now, when we say they like to make so many babies, what we mean is that a female Tarlock, who, by the way, don't really get to fight. If they do, they're viewed as abominations. They tend to prefer uh, being homemakers, and there's only one female uh, Tarlock for every, like, ten or so male Tarlocks. Uh, when when they get impregnated, they have 100 to 200 babies. Yes, because that's all they do. See, Tarlocks can live for hundreds of years, and so they just pop babies out if you're a lady, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Now, naturally, the out the outgrowth of having that many babies at that speed is that they just needed to get into interplanetary expansion and conquest uh, just to have a place to keep all these fucking Tarlocks. Which is weird, because you'd think that wouldn't be the case, given that this planet could sustain 18,000 velociraptors in a pack doing hunting. Yep, uh, but the numbers just weren't in their favor, and they never will be, because all the numbers in this book are random and weird. There's a point where they're like, unlike other species, the Tarlock remembers 67,500 years of their history. Okay. And that's a big stepping point. I don't know if that just means that other species don't remember that exact amount. Like some of them re- remember 67,700 years and others rem- remember a little less. Who knows? But they make it a point. They're like, these guys never forget their history. 67,500 years. And then the next chap- uh, entry is about a specific type of them where it's like, these guys have been proudly serving in the military with a history dating back 90,000 years. And I'm like, well, is the is the first 23,000 of it unre- unrecorded? How are we doing this? Oh, yeah. No, it's it's marked, but there's no real, like, story there. They just know. There's just a sign that says for 23,000 years before you guys started keeping records, this, this, spe- or this soldier type was around. Oh, yeah. The first recording in their history is, do you guys know for 23,000 years these dudes have been doing military shit? <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, like we said, they just they they develop space travel. It takes them about a thousand years to figure that shit out after the Lonara die out, and then they immediately start trying to take over every other uh, planet in the solar system, which is dri- difficult because they're all, except for one, all inhabited. And the the thing that I keep coming to is about ten percent of the Tarlock don't serve in the military, which is to say, ten percent mm-hmm. of males don't serve in the military because none of the l- women do and only about 10% mm-hmm. of the men do. And they are super looked down upon. They're like, Oh fuck you civilians. Bleh. I'm like, yeah, no one likes them. How do you, how does your society run? If only well, 10% of the that- people aren't like out there fighting, what the fuck does your society look like? I mean, I have to assume that the vast majority of the basics that make up our societies, like our economy, are just militarized versions. So, like, instead of restaurants, it's all military-based restaurants, you know, where soldiers work and make food to serve to other soldiers. It's all just kitchens. It's the mess hall. There's no restaurants. Yeah. There's there's no rest. There's no hotels. No, I mean, there's that 10% population, I assume, is civilians who work in military facilities, but are still civilians. I mean, all I'm thinking is, what else would they who's, do? Who's doing the farming? I, uh, you know, it, it, they they mentioned this that they require food conquest that they they force the other species to farm for them and so on and and uh, de- dedicate food to them because it, it specifically says they don't make enough food to support their, support their own empire. Yeah, but so they they, they are had entirely to have been reliant- supported up to the point that they could get into space. 
<laughs> well, until that point, they ate dinosaurs. I don't know. <laughs> they, they ate a buttload of dinosaurs, uh, and then they ran out of dinosaurs, and space travel was the only secondary option. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, so, and then there's a bunch of stuff about their biology. They are... They're hard to even describe because they're standard. I don't know if it, Zelaznik is, is a regular Palladium artist. You may be familiar with him. You may not. He is primarily noted by drawing mega babes and also by drawing uh, spike monsters. Yep. We've got sex and havers these... and quivering heaps. <laughs> quivering heaps. And and uh, there's not that much exception when it comes to a Tarlock. They've got a long, dragony neck, a bunch of spikes all over their heads and doodads and spikety bits and stuff sticking out of their chins they kind of look like like styracosauruses mixed with snakes yeah i mean it's a lot of bony plates a lot of spikety bits and they've got three fingers and the middle one is the the super good one the king finger now the king finger isn't even a finger like it's not even a digit it's it's just a spike no, they have, it they is. have a thumb. Two, is it? I thought it was just a spike. No, it's an actual finger. Hmm, okay, it just starts yeah, out as I, a little uh, nubbin. Yeah, it starts as a little nubbin. I, I thought it, but if you look at the art of it, it looks like it's a completely different thing than the other fingers. The art shows them having a thumb, two fingers, and then a little nubbin that grows out in the middle, which they can get or lose. Like losing it is apparently a sign that you'll need to fight to death in the next couple of minutes or something. Well, the only men have the king finger, which is. Right. You know, part of the whole chauvinist uh, society. But if you lose your king finger for any reason, oh, man, you you may as well go on a suicide mission because now you're like a lady. Yeah, basically. So at this point, we break down because the book, uh, for whatever reason, and I can tell you what the reason is, it's because this is Palladium. Everything's playable. So you can go ahead and play as the Tarlock if you want. Yeah. They've got, um, uh, this book is interesting in that it wants to be both a source book for Heroes Unlimited and Rifts. Yes. And so everything that it has is presented as both options for like, this is an SDC environment and this is an MDC environment. So you can either have your Heroes Unlimited, anything can hurt anything, or the rifts, sometimes you get mega damage and it can only be hurt by mega damage. In which case, all of the bad guy species and aliens from all the other planets are mega damage. And the only not mega damage people are the humans on the human planet. Yeah. Because why wouldn't you do it that way? That's the easiest way to do it without having to write a new species up or anything. Well, yeah. Plus, they were like, these guys are weird and spiky and every single one of them looks like they've got different protrusions. So a standardized set of armor isn't really something they do. They prefer to just use their natural plates as armor. Yeah. So at this point, the book pretty much opens with this little description about how the the solar system works. And then we just launch into stats and they do them by planet. So we start with the Tarlocks and the Tarlocks come in so many varieties of soldier. They're all just different types of soldier you can play as. Starting with the Tarbull, which is the special forces, like the Navy SEALs or something. Well, it's like with the exception you get that your, they're like 40%. Well, you, you get your standard ones. You're like, what's this? Oh, do you? Okay, yeah, yeah. A, yeah, yeah. a lock dog, your standard grunt tar lock, and lock bulls the problem, are the big ones that are like, oh, the sometimes tar bulls, yeah. the tar bulls are 
like just several feet taller and heavier and they're just the badass versions yeah you get your lock dog is the is the bare the the lowest rank you can be it's your grunt uh the tar bull is the special forces ultra elite best of the best of the best of the best sir species or type of tarlock um it, yeah, with because the exception it's, that, it's well, not about training it's that the tar bulls are bigger yeah they're bigger they're scarier they care more they fight harder than the other spe- the other types do as well uh, and they have a point. They make it a point to not trim down any of their scales or spikes or anything. So they they look bigger and nastier every year. Yep. Um, but as opposed to things like the Navy SEALs or, uh, you know, the, the high end Marine Corps units and so on, uh, these guys are 40 percent of the military, these tar bulls. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Wh- essentially, anytime actually- <laughs> someone is born that is big, they're like, oh, cool, you go into this. Their special forces make up the plurality of their military. They yep. have more special forces than not special forces. Yep. It's like everyone is special forces. And when everyone Kids is special forces, no one is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we jump to the Shurtar, which are uh, basically, kind of they're like some kind of bug. smart bug. <laughs> damn God it. Damn too it. long, John. <laughs> Uh, they're the ones that are they're the ones that are like military intelligence and torturers and shit like that. They do trim their spiky plates so that they can fit into their armor better and just cuz they want to and well, everyone thinks that's wrong. They are sort of an offshoot race from the Tarlock in that like several centuries ago they just sort of went, "Hey, instead of just fight, how about science?" Yeah. And everyone's like, you suck, you nerd, get out of here, you wimpy bitch. Yeah, but then they're so useful that they can't really, you know, be like, and we actually did fuck them off to another community or something. They're like, no, we have to have Shurtars all the time. They're important because we are constantly stealing Ceronian superhumans to study them. And who's going to study them besides our professional ultra nerds? Oh, yeah. Like, the society basically only exists because Shurtar exist. Because otherwise, they just wouldn't have anything? Well, yeah, they wouldn't have ships. They wouldn't be able to go from planet to planet. I mean, basically all of their tech and everything they do is from them. So they just sort of would have died out or fought amongst each other eventually. But boy, do they ever hate that that's true. Oh, they hate it to hell. Oh, they hate those nerds. Hate them. Yeah. And then we've got a few others. I don't know. You got like bigger ones and psychicer ones. You've got called, cyborgs, like, dreadlords. Hmm? Yeah, you've got some cyborgs, which is a huge sad thing because, of course, the tech lock are all about like, oh, it's my personal, my ability to be a badass. Jesus. But they've got the whole like, oh, if a kid is born and it's like deformed or disabled in any way, it is killed and ritually eaten by the parents. But recently, because of the Shurtar. They've come up with a couple ways to turn these useless, shitty kids into useful members of death society. So they can either become mm-hmm. full conversion cyborgs uh, or dreadlores where they get genetically manipulated into being big mutant murder monsters. Yeah, they put them in a goop bath and it makes them into crazy superpowered mutants. Because again, this is a Heroes Unlimited source book, so any way you can give someone superpowers, they're going to take it. Oh, yeah. So you've got genetically altered super monsters that have basically no 
like sentience really and they have to have psychic dread masters that give them like their orders and whatnot but oh if that mm-hmm. dread master dies your dreadlock might freak out yeah and if your dreadlocks freak out well then <laughs> that's gonna look cool <laughs> and uh that's pretty much all of them that's all the ones we need to know about they have a couple of spaceships and weapons and so on but there's all these different things they are all crazy powerful this is very similar to uh system shock in that in that the villains that they put in this book are like ludicrous monsters oh yeah every single one of these you're like oh yeah so if i fought even like not even going to one of the monsters or the full cyborgs or anything you're like i just fight a dude like a soldier that they have you're like all right well you know they're nine feet tall and they're you know mega damage creatures and they all have super huge laser weapons and like okay mm-hmm. cool great love it and they they roam in packs of at least a hundred and I mean the the big difference is that in uh, in System Shock of course you played as regular ass people who had to deal with this here you do play as superheroes with Heroes Unlimited superpowers yes so it ends up being a, a big ass slugfest of a game where everyone is shooting each other for a d6 times ten as fast as they can and you know not to really get ahead of the book but goddamn every single NPC that has superpowers, they hand oh it out God, invulnerability right? like candy. I, I, Yeah, not to get ahead of ourselves, but before I forget to mention it, there are two of the Heroes Unlimited 2nd Edition mega hero in this book, a type of uh, a way to play as an even more powerful guy if you want to, and both of them took the weakness of vulnerability to magic in a solar system where there is no magic. What a cheap fucking thing to do. Oh yeah, that was... The other thing about this is the entire solar system is zero magic. You've got yes. tech and superpowers and psionics, but nobody knows what magic is or how to do it. And so having someone's like, what are you? Well, I'm a super mega power guy and I have to pick a vulnerability. It's magic. Wink, wink. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I yep. take three times damage from magic. Oh, no. Yeah, they did it. And they didn't just pull that bullshit move twice. Once they pulled it for both the mega heroes in this book. Yep. What a crock. Mm. Yeah. The the primary antagonist of this book, some guy, I don't remember his name, but he's basically the a burning massive spikes. Scythe. Thank you, Scythe. He's got like eleven attacks per melee round and eight hundred SDC, which converts to MDC invulnerability to everything. Uh, all of his attacks do like two d six times ten damage. And and he's a mega hero who is immortal and takes double damage from magic. Yeah, good. Great. Like, who is this for? No one's going to be able to fight this. Well, you're not supposed to. You see, he's a villain. Then why does he but have he's stats? fighting against the Tarlock. I know. It just kills me whenever they do this. Whenever a game puts stats to something, you're just plain not supposed to fight against. Yeah, well. Why bother? Like, it's a waste of page space. Hmm. I guess it's supposed to be impressive that you gave one of these things five major superpowers when as a player you can get two like it's it. But it isn't. It just looks like you didn't feel like following your own rules. Yeah, that is, you know, sort of par for the course for every single book in the Palladium universe of. All right. Here's how you make every character. Here's, you know, the standards. Here's the levels of power you can have. And in fact, here's an NPC that is one of those. Also, they have a ton of other shit that you can't have for no reason. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, there's two or three things you can always count on in a book of Palladium NPCs. There's that, and then there's the fact that no female character under any circumstances, no matter what they are or do, will have a physical beauty less than 19. Oh, yeah, unless that's their specific thing. They're like, oh, and then this lady's a gross monster. Her physical beauty is 18. Ew. (laughs) Ew. Yeah, it's it's a uh, in this book I didn't I didn't see a single physical beauty less than nineteen for any of the female characters. That, that does, that's just bog standard. That makes it's, me want to like look up a, something. Uh, okay, yes. Oh, you, you go. There is. Did you find one? There's an evil lady cyborg who has a beauty of eight because she's a cyborg lady and doesn't look ah, like a lady. Okay, that's fair. Also, we will always follow the standard of human beauty, even in a game where like this one, where ninety percent of the things you can play are like living leeches and giant reptile tripod murder monsters all of them have a physical beauty of like a d4 and then all the humans are like yeah 3d6 like always because we have a human standard of beauty and so does the whole solar system for some reason huh how about that dumbass huh how do you like me now i don't know why they always do that why do you even have a physical beauty score it doesn't do anything but give you a weird chance to charm people yeah, it is. And is it going to work here? Are you going to be like, what's up, Shurtar? How are you looking at my human titties? What do you think of those? And they're like, I automatically appreciate them on a level I cannot explain. I have never, ever seen these before and do not care for them. However, ooh, baby, so horny. <laughs> Must conquer human titties. <laughs> That's why. They want to take over this planet so bad because it's the only one with titties. All the other planets are weird, gross tripod monsters, and then they got to Searmen or whatever, Searon, and they were like, ooh, titties. Well, uh, that's a good spot for us to jump in and uh, start going through the other couple of planets real quick here, uh, because there is one one planet with mammals, and they make a big deal to point out that these things, which look like ambulatory ground-level pteranodons, have tits. Hmm. You need to know this. Yeah, that's important. That's a very important thing for you to know. That's the planet Talavera, and they don't go in that order, so we'll come to that in a little bit. I think the first planet you get to is Four Shell. Mm, and four he shell doesn't know how to a... use the Four Shells. <laughs> that's a hokey old religion. Uh, four Shell is, I think, the swamp planet, because they all have, like, one... It's Star Wars rules here. Yes. So it's it's a jungly, swampy planet with, I think, there are two intelligent species, the Glynrak... Uh, and the Glynrak are basically leeches. They're big leeches. Yeah. They're, you know, like actual human-sized leech monsters that yeah, are they're a hu- sentient. they're human-sized, and they're, and they're upright as well. Even though they have no legs or arms, they just are, are listed as having super strong abdominal muscles that lets them scoot up to a standing posture so they can be eye-to-no-eyes with humans and so on. And they are super smart. Super smart and powerfully psionic. And uh, are fairly slow compared to everyone else, and they are one of the couple of good guy races that permeate the galaxy mm-hmm. or solar system. So they're one of the noble ones. And then the other species on that planet is the Nazir, uh, which are big hunty reptile tripod nightmares fang claw things. Yeah, they're impossible to describe. They just look like a collection of bio weapons. It's it's basically like. If you started with a snake body and then up top you had like weird insect monster. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like Brundlefly got monster. mixed with a snake. Yeah, and they are playable, uh, because they are just intelligent enough to be playable. They're they're uh I think they roll 
some reasonable uh, 2d6 plus 4. Technically, on average, slightly more in- intelligent than humans. Yep. But they don't have any kind of technology or anything. They have they are, they are super powerful psychics uh, and natural hunters who like to hunt the Glinerock and have uh, thrown in their lot with the Tarlock because they just are like, oh, sweet, another crazy warrior species with ships that can get us off planet. Fuck yes, we're on your side. Hey, I don't know if you know this, but anyone who likes to fight fucking loves being slaves. Mm-hmm. That's the rules here on in this galaxy. If you can fight, you make a rad torturer or slave, and don't worry about it. Every one of them is cool with it. And they are on fucking board. And then I guess Zelznik also just drew a gross little lump, so they came up with a whole bunch of stats for it where it's called a chicken worm. Yeah. And it's just a little worm. It's a little worm, and it's a monster. Yeah, in case you were yeah. short on that. Then after that is the planet Avulor, which is a water planet. There's very little island on it. Uh, and what little island there is is entirely taken over by Tarlock military bases. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not water. It's a liquid planet. There's this goopy, amber-colored liquid all over the planet, about 2,000 feet deep, all the way across it, called the Breen. <laughs> oh, no. And and, uh, and while the Breen is nasty and can poison you, uh, there is a species of super-intelligent dudes living in it known as the Psyden. Oh, yeah. And they... I mean, they basically just look like Shape of Water sex havers. They really do. Uh, although they have a physical beauty, I believe, of 2d6 because, you know, they're not humans. Yeah, obviously. And that's our rule. But they're, yeah, they're basically, you know, all of the Atlanteans, but Aquaman is this species. Uh, they are they are smart. They are crazy strong. Uh, and un- unlike a lot of the other species on, on in all the various planets, they don't want to get involved in the Tarlock's whole situation. Uh, the Tarlock can't come into the Breen anyway, so they get left alone, and they have no intent to try and fight them off-planet or to even go off-planet. And even if they could, uh, they can't breathe water, and they can't breathe air for very long. Yeah, So they need their Breen. It's a wonderful species where they were like, hey, here's a planet, and here's an entire write-up on the people that live there. They do not want to be involved with this, and the people who are involved in this game do not want to do anything with them. Congratulations, we made a useless thing. Ha ha, we wasted yep. four pages. But, just, but don't worry, they're playable. <laughs> uh, and then beyond them, we move to Talavera, the planet that has the Seleniac, uh, which are the as aforementioned, brachiating uh, mammalian wingless pteranodons. Yeah, they're weird. <laughs> <sighs> um, they're basically it's one of the one of the hallmark species that shows up in Rift so- or Palladium Sourcebook after Palladium Sourcebook is the almost monkey, the the uh, the the brachiating tree dwelling species that's noble and friendly but kind of hyper. Yeah, and that's the Seleniac here. And then if not the Seleniac, the, uh, there's another one, the, the, what they call the Shrilt, which are basically little monkey people who are the same kind of shit, yeah. but dumber. <laughs> and the Seleniac are universally hated by the intelligent species that lives on the ground of the super forest that makes up Talavera. The, hang on, I got this in my head, Lashreg. Yes, indeed, the Lashreg. Little assholes who are paranoid and hate everyone. <laughs> they're lizard people. They're, they're... The, the easiest thing to describe in the book. They're lizard men. They're big, mean, mis- they're lizard men who can't really get up the trees to get at all these la- seleniacs, no matter how much they'd like to. Uh, so naturally, when and, and they're a warrior species, obviously. So naturally, when the Tarlock showed up, they're like, hell yeah, do you have any slave roles available? Because, you know, they're described as being 
ridiculously paranoid and they hate outsiders and you know they'll even fight amongst themselves and then the tarlock showed up and they were like sweet you know what all we've wanted is to be slaves so if you've got the ability to do that for us it would be primo we're gonna immediately like you even though that's specifically what we don't do Yep, it's antithetical to their entire thing, but don't worry about it. They immediately sign up with the Tarlock to give you another thing to shoot at when you create your character and have to fight things off on Ciron. Yeah. The good guy planet. Um, the final inhabited planet is called Dilm. <laughs> <laughs> it's and a dad Dilm I'd like to marry. <laughs> oh, I thought it was a dad I'd like to muck. Okay. <laughs> And it's populated by gargoyle people called the Kled. I, uh, Clyde? I think it's pronounced Kled. Clyde. It's, it's, it's pronounced, pronounced by Clyde. Yeah, it's it's uh, in, it's Clyde. Is is how you, But they're basically a, a winged pteranodon species. Yeah. Uh, that are crazy, super powerful, strong. They get like a, a PS forty six plus thirty three. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little nuts. Yeah, given that the relevant value of your stat, your your strength barrels out and stops at 40 rolling 46 plus 33 feels like a dumb idea Mm. but you know what are you gonna do don't worry about it big numbers good bad numbers boring uh these guys are i I don't remember if they're psychic or whatever i think they're just badasses in general uh if they're in a mega damage environment they get to count as being supernaturally strong which is ridiculous Mm -hmm. and uh, i believe they're marsupials are they? I think it's about the only... Yeah, they have, like... Can- well, I don't think they're, like, actually marsupials, but they do have kangaroo pouches okay. as a species. Yeah. So, they did occupy the same role. So, they are the closest thing that this solar system has to marsupials. That that, that seems reasonable. Sure, why not? Uh, and then there's an- obviously another species that lives on that planet as well. Uh, the Clyde are neutral for the most part, but will work with the Tarlocks on request. The other species is a big, evil dumb monster which of course signed up and served the tarlock as soldiers shock troops and interrogators and torturers yep because they, they are fucking the love Ni- it <laughs> yep and they're the nikari yep they're just big old murder wasps basically but with you know your standard weird bony protrusions because that's what this entire galaxy is all about i guess yeah they even have have stingers uh but they but instead of having they have four little legs on their on like their butt and then they have giant crab claws up in the front. Yep. You can't tell where their eyes are, and I don't think it matters. Hmm. They're just big evil bugs that signed right up with the bad guys. Now, <laughs> the all of this mostly is just there to be like, yeah, you're never going to go to any of these pal- planets, because the entire point of this is to play a superhero on the planet Ciron, and none of that matters to that. I mean, it'll matter in that the NPC, you can pull uh, these monsters into your game and either play as them or have them as a- allies or enemies. That's pretty much the point. Yeah. But the the main game is going to take place on Ciron, where there are three main species there, and they got uh, hit by normally the Tarlock do a disease plague thing that they send down to soften up a planet but in standard superhero style this planet was like oh no that doesn't work on us it just gives us superpowers yeah there are three species on the planet primarily uh that are intelligent and they are variations on actual 
Homo sapiens humans. There's just uh, one of them has like little chin spikes and is a little more uh, stoic and warlike. And one of them has tails and no noses and is a little more like active and alert. Oh, yeah. You've got regular humans, uh, bony psychic humans and lizardy humans. And that's about it. That's all there is. Uh, we the thing on the cover, the the badass energy lady that we were talking about at the very beginning, she's not any of those because there's also a couple of intergalactic species that are hanging around here, and she's one of those. The another one <clears throat> of the touchstones of Palladium books, the super powerful paladin good guy energy species from space that shows up to save the day. It is better than everyone else. Uh, in this case, they're called the Blaze. Yeah, the Blaze. 420 smoke trees are <laughs> every day just wisdom <laughs> pure energy beings that you can't beat them they they show up and they're like hey we're mega power and even if you blow up like our shell we're still energy and we can try and get a new shell like we we are ridiculously powerful and have super laser beams and whatnot and meh yeah and then there are two more intergalactic species booting around i don't even remember yeah, well, they're both matter. just they're both just bad guys they're like slavers one of them is called the tandoori which i can remember well, because that's you know yeah uh, and then the other one has a name that is thankfully not a kind of indian food hmm. but yeah the uh, okay yeah the whole thing with the planet is they tried to give them a disease if you've ever read i think the wild card series you'll know that this is just that and they <laughs> they got superpowers some actually mutated into weird monsters which again if you've read the wild card series you'll know that mm -hmm. as this is basically just that as an rpg with the uh the numbers filed off of it yeah pretty much and uh <laughs> so the whole thing is your superheroes fighting against the alien invaders and the tarlock have already basically conquered the planet but they only managed to like actually have a hold of about like a third of it at a, at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um. So they it, it's hard to hold the planet because it was very terraformed and cityscaped. And the they do make it a point of of saying that yeah, these are regular humans. No one knows why they're here, but they are not from here originally. This is a, a an earthy planet that has been transplanted to this random solar system. Well, it's oh these humans are probably one of a lost tribe of true atlanteans that landed here right that yeah that's their their big excuse um okay so yeah they can't hold the planet because it's just too riddled with cities and and big catacombs and shit like that well yeah the and tech level of this planet was already like competitive with the tarlock to begin with and then they gassed the planet and gave everyone well not everyone but a shitload of people superpowers so now they're just kind of like this is a pain in the ass yeah like roughly a third of the planet now has superpowers which means the tarlock despite their ludicrously vast ultra numbers are not having a tremendous amount of difficulty with main with, with or, or sorry are having a tremendous amount of difficulty winning this fight yeah so they have to rely on, you know, some client species from the other planets that we saw. They also will uh, kidnap and brainwash supers, or they'll take, like, super villains and just go, hey, you want to work for us instead of getting killed by us? And, you know, some of them will go, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, plenty of people are happy to sign up with the Tarlocks because of their genetic brain experimentations. 
So there's good guy teams and bad guy teams, and it's not quite Heroes Unlimited where you have to use those same power categories. Instead, there's these new ones you can pick from that tend to be way more powerful than anything you'd get from the Heroes Unlimited book in general. Well, basically, all of the different species, if you Mm -hmm. just want to be them, you're like, okay, I want to be, you know, a Searman, which is just the psychic bony human. All right, cool. Right. Uh, I can do that, and then I can either pick to be, like, a major psychic and get a whole bunch of psychic powers, or I can get some super abilities, but even if I get superpowers, I still get at least the base four psychic abilities that every seerman has. Mm-hmm. Also, the fact that this psionic race is called Seerman is fucking, god damn it, <laughs> Zelesnik, what I are know. you doing? Yeah, you'd think they could have named him after, they could have named him Palak Paneer or something like that. Why not? If you're going to have the tandoori. And by the way, I know that's an oven and not actually a type of food. Thank you. Please do not email me. There we go. Uh, Okay. (laughs) But the human, the generic humans, the human sapien sapiens, they get ludicrously big amounts of powers. Yeah, if you go through the Heroes Unlimited book, most of the time when you're rolling for powers, it's like, oh, maybe you get a major and a minor. And in these ones, they're like, Oh, just have these, you'll roll on a table and it'll give you two majors and then you can pick something else too. Yeah, they'd be like, this one gets two majors and three minors, or this one gets two majors plus an additional power that's new to this book that we're calling a major. And I love that every time, it's called energy weapon channeling. It's the only new power in this book. Uh, And it's basically just, you can make psi swords that are better than psi swords. Uh, They do 66 damage starting. You get Uh, Psylocke powers. Yeah, you get Psylocke sword. Uh, but every time they, they refer to it, they call it a new power found in this book. And they put quotes around new. And I'm like, it is new. It's in this book for the first time. You don't need the quotes. <laughs> it's a new major power. <laughs> it is very new. It is the only new thing in here. Ah. Uh, so uh, basically the way it works is you make one of the three species. You roll a random chance and uh, you get a little bit more than, than in uh, Heroes Unlimited itself, where you just get, like, a list of power. You'd be like, pick one major and two minors. Here's the list. Here it's like, you get energy expulsion and wingless flight and damage resistance and one minor power of choice. Yeah, there's if, like, no the- random role for the non-specified powers. Anytime one of the races is like, oh, you get, you know, uh power channeling and then either two minor or a major ability but there's no roll on the table to see which minors or which majors it's always you get to pick which is you know mm-hmm. nice because it means you can be thematic yeah yeah it makes sense and it, it makes a lot of sense in that it, it's trying to say that like when the rough equivalent of terrigen gas got all over the earth and turned everyone into superheroes the people who came out kind of slotted into categories so well, you'd be like, yeah, there's energy projectors. They're all pretty similar. Like, maybe they shoot fire and electricity different from each other, but each one of them has a wingless flight and some kind of a resistance to go with it. I mean, the other thing is, pretty much the three races got their own things that they are generally better at. So regular humans are better at, like, energy powers. The Searman psychic guys have a very specific small list of major and minor powers that they can actually choose from uh, yeah, outside of being super ones. psychics. Yeah, and then the Talus, which are the ones with uh, lizard tails, all of their... It's always like you get a some amount of spikes on your tail is the way you know that they're super-powered. It's always like, 
You have spikes on the end of the t- your tail. You have 1d4 spikes on your tail. You have spikes all the way up and down your tail. You get 1d6 spikes on your tail. And then they get a kind of physical power list. Yeah, I love that literally everything on their list is like, you get small spikes. You get big spikes. You get spike tail and bony plates on tail. Like, it's all tail stuff. And then there's like one yeah. option in there is, oh, you have an ordinary tail. But all I could do thinking about this was like, oh, man, the Tarlock, anytime they see any talus with a spike on their tail, they're like, kill that guy. <laughs> yeah, you think the first thing you do if you were a talus and you got superpowers was cut those fucking spikes off. They don't do anything. Like, if you get certain types of them, they can be they can add damage to the single attack per melee that you get as a bonus with your tail. Oh, let me just say this. The talus, all of them get tailutsu. A, a super martial art that gives you a bunch of different things, but most importantly, automatic dodge, which is one of the most powerful things you can get in rifts. And it very much is, yes. They also get just an extra attack with their tail, and they get a whole bunch of like automatic dodge bonuses, extra SDC, bonus to initiative, like a whole bunch of shit just for being them. And then also they get to, you know, have superpowers. Yeah, no, they're 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 quite good, quite good indeed. Indeed. But every one of the they have a random roll for how many po- or what powers they get, and every one of them is like you get some tail spikes, and at most it's you get either an ordinary tail or some tail spikes, your choice, and you get these powers. Hmm, hmm. And it's all tail themed. So like one of them will also get that energy weapon extension and it'll be like, it has to come out of your tail though. You've got laser spikes on your tail. Right, and and you gotta be like, yeah, I get it. It's all tail stuff. Our whole species is tail stuff. <laughs> uh, I wonder what it smells like when we lay eggs. Ha ha. I would like to smell it. Ha ha. <laughs> Does anyone have any art? <laughs> and of course, there is also the last thing that you would really do, which is a bio freak, which is any of the races turned into like a monster. Like if you're gonna be the thing then great, you're now, you know, Ben Grimm is a bio-freak. Right, and even though something like 10% of the 30% of people on the planet who got superpowers are bio-freaks, so they're not rare, uh, everyone hates them and they usually have to live in the sewers. (laughs) Yeah, which is weird, especially when you go looking through the list of bio-freak things, because they roll on a table to see, like, oh, how are you weird? And one of them is just like, you have big, muscly legs. I'm like, that's not going to make me a freak. That's going to make oh, people dude. be like, Daddy, please. <laughs> please smash my face, Chun-Li. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. so many of these are like, ooh, you've got wings. Uh, uh okay. That's you that's a superpower I could normally have. <laughs> I love that when you can get it from the normal list, but if you're a bio-freak and you get it, you're fucked. Yeah. Also, Biofreaks was a uh, a very interesting N64 game. Hmm. Um, but the art of a Biofreak, there's a single picture of a Biofreak, and it's just like a dude who's into BDSM. Oh, yeah. I love that first Biofreak picture, because there's two. There's one where it's just like some guy that's a porcupine. <laughs> yeah, there's Porcupine Man. But the first one is just like some dude in a leather thong with bandoliers and, and chains on his arms. And he just looks like he's out at an exciting weekend for him. Oh, yeah. This dude is out at some leather play party, and mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, I'm having a good time. 
this is the kind of guy who's trying to explain like risk aware consensual kink to you. Hmm. Like he's not that much of a bio freak. <laughs> the worst thing about him as a person is that he appears to have that Trump way leaned forward posture. Hmm. Where he looks like someone forgot to draw the rest of the centaur, you know? Huh. Yeah. So, but <laughs> it's just funny to me that they're like, biofreaks aren't that weird, but they're hated and they have to live in the fucking sewers. And if you play as one, you're going to have to deal with e- e- everlasting prejudice. And then, of course, there's also like four of them in the category that are, oh, you have to physically transform to use your superpowers. So normally you just look like a regular dude. One is like, mm-hmm. your hands look kind of weird. I'm like, no. No, I'm not going to be forced to live in the sewer because my hand looks weird. Also, I mean, come on. Half the planet is currently occupied by an enemy invasion force, and these biofreaks are one of the best weapons against it, and everyone's like, no, I can't see beyond that fact that you have wings, bro. You have to go live in the sewers. Yeah. It's... And they're like, but I would like to fight the aliens. Yeah, we'd all like to go fight the aliens, but we're not gross. Yeah, you've got a, a shitty physical beauty, so you got to get out of here. <laughs> no one likes your style. <laughs> God damn it, so. <laughs> Yeah, and and at that point, that's that's pretty much uh, we we established what Ciron is like. It's a it's a hyper future super world where there's you know flying highways and and mega towers and everything's all curvaceous. Or well, the cover's very curvaceous, <laughs> but everything's all cur- curvilinear in the architecture, so it all looks very futury. And you you see scrapers. The name is because there's skyscrapers in the early. Uh, freedom fighter superpower people would like fly away and hide amongst the skyscrapers that was so fucking stupid the part where they're like they're like yeah uh there's some speech broadcast by an angry warlord or whatever the the big deal bad guys are called where he's like your scrapers cannot help you your scrapers will eventually be defeated by us your scrapers will not win in a fight because he's talking about their buildings yeah He's like, we will crush your scrapers and destroy you. And so everyone was like, is he talking about them? Is he saying that they are scrapers? He's being oddly specific. (laughs) You'd think he'd eventually use like a pronoun or something, but no, he just keeps saying scrapers. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But yeah. Also, we want to vosh and vipe your windows. (laughs) Uh, So there's a, you know. A whole list of NPCs of good guys and bad guys. There's, of course, the entire section of just, uh, here's all the new energy weapons that you can have. Here's yeah, the NPC several pages of guns. There are at least three NPCs in the list that are just physical strength powerhouses, and they're just drawn as guys with tiny legs and giant arms. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, mostly they're just like, hey, what what is this, a Jabrams guy? Is this one of those Jabrams <laughs> monsters? Yeah, and then there's the biggest bad guy of all, the Burning Scythe, who is just unapproachably powerful, and it says that he's a multi-trillionaire and owns about 45% of the wealth on the planet. And I'm like, at this point, he's not a bad guy. At this point, he's simply a world power. Like, that's... You, you can't call someone... At that point, they're just in charge of a country. They're not a bad guy anymore. They oh, they, they made good. His whole this thing is, the is difference he between like, when he, <laughs> I'm a bad guy because I tried to take over... The world is split into four quadrants. He's like, I tried to take over East Quadrant. And then failed. But now I basically do control East Quadrant. It's like, okay, well, then you're in charge of East Quadrant. You're not a villain. You're a world leader. Yep. If you kill one person, you're a murderer. And then he's his people who follow him are just an endless variety of ultra-psychic, uh, double, super-ultra-loyal people. Yep. Every one of them is 100% loyal to him, and they couldn't be less interesting. 
But there are other villains of note to talk about, like Danger Despair. Or Fight Stick. <laughs> yeah, Fight Stick is basically this game's taskmaster. He has the the regular Heroes Unlimited power of natural fighting ability, which is that he just gets whatever bonuses you have when he fights you, uh, plus a little extra. So he's just a better fighter than you no matter what you do. Oh, Fight Stick. Uh, Danger Despair is basically a floating murderer. Yeah. Um, and he's just got a dumb name. That's the only reason I really wanted to talk about him. Uh, Dark Quorn, which is apparently someone's attempt to draw hate. Uh, what's his name? I don't care. Some Naruto. I don't fucking care. Yeah, they're all kind of dumb. Hammerjack, yeah. Skull Knocker. Shock. <laughs> Shock's just the standard grade. This is a hot lady. Yeah, it's... Oh, she's a stone-cold knockout. She was a model, and then she got electricity powers. Okay, great. That's not even rare. A third of all the models got electricity po- or got <laughs> powers in general. I don't understand. Like, this is a weird thing. No, it isn't weird. It's very normal. No, it's only weird because she's super hot. Yeah. Which isn't weird. She's because hotter this than is most rips. models. Also, she's not a mo- There's no way. I mean, I guess unless the models on Ciron are like, yeah, on our planet, all the models have giant tits. Like, she's not. She's normally, you know, she's a fashion model. She has size, she's size zero, so all the clothes fit her. That's how models work. They, are, hmm. they aren't all Playboy Playmates. Not on Ciron. Just on like C-Ron, with the Tarlocks, they were like, oh my god, titties. Everybody on this planet has titty obsession, and don't worry about it. Everyone in this galaxy is like, yo, titties. I want to see them giant nine-foot-six titties. <laughs> Step on me, mommy. Crush me, lady. <laughs> That's been my favorite thing the past couple of months. I don't personally have a pale vampire giantess fetish, but God, do I ever celebrate all the people who suddenly do. Yeah, God bless each and every one of you. Mm-hmm. Good for you. I'm glad your thing found you. Right? And I'm glad that, like, <laughs> they were into it. Like, fucking Capcom's like, yeah, sure, fuck it, we love it. Yeah, Capcom got right on board. They were like, hell yeah, giant lady, we'll tell you how big she is specifically. Please buy our games. <laughs> Please buy this game. <sighs> so, uh, yeah, and, and then, yeah, there's a couple of weapons, and then there's a big list of conversions for how to make this work in Rifts and to how to make the powers from Heroes Unlimited work in Rifts. Yeah, they don't give you all the powers, which is weird, but they give you most of them. There's a lot well, I mean, of the major of them, powers that they don't. A, a lot of them they did a long time ago in the Rifts conversion book. So if you have Conversion Book, which is usually the first source book you buy if you have Rifts anyway, uh, then you've got a ton of the old superpowers anyway. Yeah. But Lord knows, they're not going to stop you from needing to buy more books. That's how Palladium operates. This book is constantly mentioning the Anvil Galaxy source book, Phase World, Wormwood, you name it. All the Heroes Unlimited shit. Aliens Unlimited they constantly mention, which I find hilarious. Hmm. But yeah. As, as I think, uh, I'm one of the two people in the world who's read Aliens Unlimited. <laughs> Lol. Uh, anyway, yeah. Why don't we get to the end? We've talked a long time. We have. All right. So, uh, as always, when we get to the end of one of these, the thing I like to do is ask John, how you doing? Uh, I mean, not not the best. Okay. And also, what's your favorite thing about this game? Oh, God. My favorite thing about this game is that the each of the, like, you know, uh, the main planet good guy races Mm -hmm, that are fighting mm -hmm. against the Tarlock automatically come with powers. Cause there was a large part of me that was like, Oh God, it's going to give you like, and here's the stats for a human. There's a 12% chance that any human will have it. I'm like, Oh, don't do that. 
I do find it amusing that this book follows the rule from riffs where like 7% of the humans are psychic in addition to having superpowers. Oh, yeah. You can do that for literally everything. We'll be like, oh, there's a yeah. 6% chance that a bio freak has psychic powers. Okay, yeah. sure. Well, anything that's anything that's vaguely human or for Seronian, the, most of the alien species are either master psychics or not psychics at all. Yep, but nope, these ones have degrees. But yeah, the, the baseline assumption that, yeah, you're a superhero fighting supervillains, don't worry about the chance that you have physical training or, or are a magician or something is going to crop up. That doesn't happen. Yeah, they that's have good. a couple like OCCs that are just, I'm a guy without powers and I want to help. I'm doing my part. And they're like, yeah, if you want to be some idiot with a gun, you can do that. But our base assumption is super powered guy. That is actually a thing I like in this because I assumed they wouldn't given, you know, palladium. I also appreciate that uh, if you if you want to, you can play as someone who has superpowers and is one of those OCCs like, oh, I'm a soldier in the military and I got superpowers, so I have both. But you have half the skills. Yes. And that's great because I would love half the skills that I'm making any given Palladium character. Right. That way I can just take the physicals and the weapon proficiencies. <laughs> what a deal. What a savings. <laughs> By Grabthar's hammer. Yeah. So uh, there you have it. What's your favorite? Uh my favorite thing in this book is probably one of the species. I, I thought the Glinerock were kind of neat. I'm always a fan of species that don't even have hands and aren't humanoid, but are still operating on a humanoid level. Yeah, just big worms. Big worms. So cool. So yeah, the, Glin the Glinerock were, were probably my favorite thing to read about in here. Uh, they are just psychic. They can't have superpowers, but that's okay. Yep. Uh, what is your least favorite thing in this book? Holy shit, that Tarlock story. God damn it. <laughs> It's gonna say it's gotta be the slavery, right? Yeah. The whole like, ah, these noble savages loved slavery because finally <laughs> civilization was brought to them. And you're like, oof, ouch, owie. Yeah, exactly. Oh boy, that's rough. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. What about you? Uh I I'm gonna say that this this is a galaxy with I think about twelve or thirteen intelligent uh, species, all of which have two genders, and all of which are sexually dimorphic, and all of which the men are the fighters and the women are the mothers. Yep. That's kind of a, like, that's not very imaginative to me, that you're like, oh, worms and dinosaur people and bug men, and every one of them is like, and the females are the hot, frail ones. <laughs> and I'm everybody like, loves titties. Oh, everyone's way into them big old titties and dicks. <laughs> Big honking dongers. That's what everyone likes on these planets. Everybody likes a big king finger, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's my least favorite thing. Would you play Scrapers? Uh, again, I know that you've already tried. You've already played it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not the worst setting for a superhero thing. Like, Alien Invasion is sort of a very classic, like, event for a lot of superhero things and just having that be your baseline like setting that's fine mm -hmm. just you know superheroes versus aliens that's that's fine i'd play in it i mean palladium is hot fucking garbage but whatever i don't care yeah no i'm right there with you i think it's perfectly fine uh i i, I could probably play a game in this just like i could any other even though palladium again is a problematic shitty studio uh i'm used to them and so i could probably play a game in this although i wouldn't necessarily seek it out oh no i wouldn't want to be like yes and this is what i need right now but if someone showed up and was like i'm gonna run this and you don't have to do anything but have a character i'd be like all right whatever 
Yeah, that's about where I'm at, too. So there you have it. Um, great. So, hey, folks, why not go support our Patreon and learn more about this engine as we build characters for this game? Yes, indeed. There's so much to learn, so much to do, mm-hmm. so much to see. So what's wrong with supporting us at the $1 level at patreon.com slash system mastery? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing, unless you don't have a dollar per ep- system mastery episode, and in which case I fully understand it. I, I, and I then I'm sorry, free. because really if, you, yeah. <laughs> if you don't go, you'll never know. <laughs> you see, the hits keep coming, and they don't stop 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 coming, and I, if, I stopped recording. If, the, if there's one thing you know about us, it's we don't stop coming. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't actually stop recording. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.